Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. No better day to wake up than to wake up on Easter Sunday morning knowing that the breath that you have in your lungs was put there because God ordained for you to be in the house of the Lord to lift up his name and to bring praise unto him. What a wonderful, wonderful day of worship we have had so far. And I praise you and I praise the Lord for him just being here. And I'm thankful that you are here celebrating this wonderful Easter with us because I tell you, There is not a greater miracle that can happen in your life than to celebrate a resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus. Praise God. I want to welcome all of our guests who are here today, everyone who's here. Maybe if you're here from out of town or family and friends who are here to celebrate this uh, wonderful occasion uh, with our church and with your family pray that God would just continue to just be with you even in your family activities this afternoon over the the food and the and the deviled eggs amen come on can I get an amen on that those things those ought to be stricken they they ought to be a, a ten commandment against those things because I eat too many of them but I want to just thank you for being here being a part we're glad to have our family part of our family with us today. Shannon's family is here. Her mom and dad are, is here today. We're glad that they're here. And sisters and nieces. And so glad that they're a part. And I know that you're so glad to have, if you have family here today. If you don't have family, just understand this, that you are in the middle of a family. Especially if you know Jesus. That you are a part of a much larger family than just your biological blood family. You are a part of the family of God. And I want to just say, it's good to have you in the house today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I just want to uh, make a, one, a couple announcements and then I want to just move on into our message this morning. I know that many of you are aware that this past week that two of the men in our church passed away. But we don't say goodbye to those men. We just say, see you later. They died in faith. And those that we die, that die in faith, we will see again if you know Jesus. And so, Brother C.A. Bell and, and Wayne Jaton, they finished their race. They kept the faith. I was with them almost to the end. The day before each one of them passed away, I had a moment just to be alone with them and just to speak to them. And I told them, thank you for living that life of faith before so many. And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm really uh, not saddened. I'm heartbroken for us, but I am, I'm thrilled to know that we get to celebrate that home going that one of the days we'll, we'll celebrate a reunion with them. So if you want any details about that, about the services, you can look uh, online. Uh, you can go to our website and you can see those things, I believe, or our Facebook page. You can find out information about both of those services. Amen. Immediately after service, we are going to have a little egg hunt for our kids. And, uh, you know, we want to give, give our kids Jesus and then give them cavities all in the same day. And that's the plan. 
We, we had a wonderful time last weekend where we did VBS in 50 minutes. You know, I enjoy the bunny and I enjoy all the, the Hershey's chocolate, but let me tell you something. I have not had a better Easter than last week when we were beginning our Easter week and we, and we had 15 kids make decisions to follow Jesus. There's nothing better to celebrate than that right there. I know they liked eggs and they like all those things and there's a lot of churches that celebrate that way. But we celebrate lives that have been changed. And I just pray that the Lord would continue to let that happen today. So welcome you and don't forget to stay after and let the kids uh, do a little bit of, of uh, cavity finding as they dig for those eggs. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. I'm just going to speak briefly to you today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll begin reading in verse 1. This is what the Scripture said. Others, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word that I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He, has, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, Paul writing, says he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Father, I just pray you would take your word this morning. As we have celebrated in song and in music, Lord, this wonderful resurrection day, I pray that you would help us, Lord, through your word to accept the truth, Lord, of gospel that tells us that the grave has been emptied of its contents and that, Lord, this gospel that we preach and that we confess is a gospel that saves and transforms and renews and restores. I pray that you would take your word, impart it to our hearts, and let us be changed, Lord, by it today. In Jesus Christ's name, and everyone said amen. A young man from a wealthy family was graduating from college, and his parents had a tradition from the other kids that they would buy their son or daughter a brand new car as soon as they graduated from college. They'd been looking for a car, he and his dad, for some time, and they had picked one out. And on the day of his graduation, this young man's father walks in and he hands him a gift wrap, small, looked like a book. And he opened that wrapping paper and what he found was his dad said, I want to give you this gift, was a Bible. The young man looked at his father and he said, what do you mean, a Bible? I thought I was supposed to get a car. And he took that Bible and he threw it down on the ground. And he walked out of the house that day. And that was the last time he saw his father. Years later, 
His father passed away, and they knew that that would be what would bring him home. And this young man comes home. He begins to rummage through some of the things that his father had left. And on a bookshelf next to his father's desk, he found that Bible that his dad had given him so long ago. As he opened up the first page, the cover of that Bible, he found something that caused tears to run down his face. There was a cashier's check in that Bible dated the day that he graduated for the exact amount of that car that they had both picked out. I just wonder how many people in our world have done the same thing to God. A lot of people toss Him aside without truly discovering the promises that lie inside His Word and what He has given us. He's discarded as irrelevant, and God doesn't mean much because I don't need Him. He's not necessary, but they failed to realize the promise truly had for them. In our world, we see a lot of empty promises, don't we? There's a lot of things that we are told in people's words, and we put our faith in their words, and their words usually turn out not to mean a whole lot. All day long, every day, you are told that if you will buy this product, you will be happy, or you will be sexy, or you will be uh, rich, or you will be famous if you will just take this product. But if we buy those things, it doesn't take us too long to look into the mirror and realize that the world's promises are actually empty. But God is different. God is different because instead of promises world with emptiness, gives us emptiness. That's our emptiness that are full of promise. I'm going to switch back because I think this is cut now. Easter is all about empty promises. And that's what I just want to share with you briefly this morning. There are three empty promises that I want to bring to your attention. You can see it if you're a note taker. The fact that these promises are empty assures us that God's promises are true. And the first empty promise of Easter is this. It's the empty cross. Because the empty cross assures us that God's promise of forgiveness is true. I want to take you back to the beginning. I want you to take to to roll your minds back. I want you to to rewind 2,000 years, and I want you to go back to that very first Easter. That first Easter sunrise, that morning as as the sun began to peek out above the rocky ledges of the Mount of Olives near Jerusalem, a few women decided that they were going to go to the tomb of Jesus, that they were going to anoint his body, It would have taken them probably at least a half an hour to arrive there. And as they were walking along, this conversation that they had was very muffled. There wasn't a whole lot that they had to say. The task that they had to perform, they knew that it would not be a joyful task, but it would be a sad thing. On their way to anoint the body, as they walked down that path toward that tomb that day, as they went over the rise of that little path, They suddenly come to a stop. 
As they look off into the distance, they see on that rocky little hillside that the locals called Golgotha or the place of the skull, they see a reminder of the gruesome horror that they saw just a couple days ago. On that little hill, these two women stared and they see three crosses standing upon that hillside. The one in the middle catches their attention the most. As they stare at that cross, their mind begins to play back all of the events of the previous Friday. They can still see the darkness on the vertical beam of that cross where the blood of Jesus poured out of his, of his head from the crown of thorns that was pressed down into his scalp. They saw the blood stains as they traveled down that, that vertical beam covered in blood and pieces of flesh that they remember seeing as Jesus was beaten almost beyond recognition and his back had gaping open wounds. They could see closely the nail holes that were in the, ex, the, the horizontal beam where they had taken Roman spikes and nailed them through the, the hands and also through the feet of Jesus as they observed that cross hearts became heavy. They remember the picture of seeing that Roman soldier walk up to Jesus as he hung there, taking a spear and thrusting it into his side. Blood and water flowed out upon the base of that cross. Those things were etched into those women's memories that day as they walked on that first Easter Sunday toward the tomb. Now I color this story for you, a story that you have heard over and over. I put color into that story for one reason. I want you to see the cross this morning. I want you to see the cross. I want you to see the place where Jesus died. I want you to see the price that Jesus paid. But most of all, I want you to see the cross because the cross is empty. It's empty. And an empty cross, maybe it's empty of the body of Jesus, but it is full of the promises that God has made to us today, not only to those women and to those apostles, but the cross that's empty makes promises to us today. The empty cross tells tells us that Jesus offers forgiveness to us because he has paid the price. The cross is empty. Jesus has been there and he has done that. He has paid the price. He has paid your debt and my debt, the debt of sin. You say, sin? Well, that's an unpopular word. Well, yes, it is. It's not even sometimes mentioned in churches anymore. Sin. If you come to Journey Fellowship Church, you're going to hear that word sin because sin is what separates us from God. And sin is what causes death as the wages of sin is death. It brings death and has brought death as I preached last week to all mankind. Sin is unpopular. It's sharp. It's edgy. We don't even like to say that. We like to say, well, you know, I made a mistake or I had a failure or made a bad decision. My friend, it is our sin that separates us from God. 
Sin defines all of us in this room because we are all sinners. There's not one righteous person in this room who can say, oh, look at me, I've done it right. I've always said the right things, done the right things, made the right decisions. No, friends, we are all in the same boat. As Ecclesiastes tells us in 720, there is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. We have all been charged guilty. I know that today everybody looks so wonderful. You look beautiful and dressed up. And I know what's coming. You know what's coming? That ever-present annual Easter picture that mom says you got to take. Everybody's going to get together. You're going to take a picture, whether it's inside or outside, whether it's at home or at church or wherever you are. Every year, our family, it is compulsory that we take a picture together. And we've marked the years of our life by Easter pictures, how those pictures have changed. All of you, you'll have a picture made. One thing that will that picture will not show as you look and reflect upon that picture There will be no captions in that picture. But in those pictures, they won't show that this this individual in this room is full of liars, cheats, thieves, adulterers, addicts, abusers, and the list goes on and on. Your picture, your Easter picture will not show any of that. You'll just have a nice, pretty Easter picture of your nice, beautiful clothes and the way you did your hair on this Easter Sunday. You see, we're good at covering those things up when it comes to other people. We always put the best on Facebook and Instagram. We don't always tell the truth. We want people to think the best of us, but I want you to understand something. God knows who you are when nobody else does. I said, God knows you. You cannot hide the truth from him. You can't hide the reality of who you are when you are alone. You cannot hide it because God sees us. He knows us. And he knows your sin. He knows what keeps you from him. He knows the very things that you think and the very things that you do. The wonderful thing is this. That empty cross... I'm so thankful for that empty cross. Why? Because he didn't leave us in that picture to be the thief and the liar and the adulterer and the one who couldn't get it all together. He didn't leave us there. He said, I'm going to change that picture from the inside out. That's the promise of an empty cross this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. I'm so thankful I've been forgiven of my sin. I stand up here not as someone who is perfect, not as someone who has it all perfectly all together. I don't have it all together. I'm just a man who's been called to tell the truth that Jesus saves. No matter who you are or where you came from or what you've done in your past, Jesus saves. He forgives. Mary Magdalene was one of those ladies who stood there on that road and stared at that cross. She was there that Friday. Jesus hung upon those beams. She's thankful for that empty cross because 
She had lived most of her life as a prostitute, a life of shame, life of regret. There was no reboot. There was no red button she could push to restore everything until that cross was empty. And on that day, when the empty cross, when the empty cross spoke to her and said, your sins are forgiven, Mary. She recalled the moment that Jesus spoke those words. What an incredible promise. An empty cross speaks to me this morning. It speaks to many of you. You know what you used to be. You know the life you once lived. Some of you in this room, you're saying, oh, but pastor, you don't understand. I'm still, I'm still not really much of, a, much of anything. Let me tell you, I'm so thankful you don't have to clean yourself up first in order to come to Jesus because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died died for us. It wasn't because you were good enough for him to die. He knew who you were and he died for you anyway. He gave his life so that you could be forgiven and be free of your sins. He pressed the red button. That red button of blood reset everything for you. The empty cross is a promise of forgiveness. It's a promise that he has made and that he has kept. When I was beginning in ministry, I was just a young man. We had come out of the offices. Our staff had had prayer, and we had walked out of the office area heading towards service. It was a Sunday night. I'll never forget it. As we began to walk toward the auditorium, we ran headlong into this guy that had come in. He had a buddy with him roughest looking dude I have ever seen in my life. He had a big old black beard. Hair was disheveled. He didn't look like a a guy that come off the street, but I looked like he had run the street. He came in that church and he walked in and he sat down in one of those pews that night. What I didn't know is that he had already been there the week before. I'd never seen him, never met him. He had come the week before to check out the church. His intention was to rob us. He'd been walking around the building, casing things out that week. And as he walked and cased things out, even slipping up during service and walking around, just checking out doors and seeing where things were, as he did that and he began to try to figure out how he could wedge the door throughout the week, the Holy Spirit began to draw him. He'd never stepped foot into church. As a matter of fact, he was a former police officer that had fallen into the the rough life begin to sell drugs, do all kinds of things. This man had a rap sheet as long as my leg. He was a, he was a, a well-known criminal in our area. We didn't know. But that night as we ran headlong into Jack, he walked in, he told us, he asked this question, I'll never forget it. He looked at us and he said, is this a place where I can get saved? response was absolutely he said well that's what I came here to do he sat through that service 
you could tell that he was itching, ready to go make a move. As soon as, as heads were bowed and eyes were closed, Jack Price got up from his seat right over here and he stood up and he walked himself all the way down to an altar just like that. And he fell upon that altar. This 50 plus year old man began to break and cry and sob. I'd never heard such sobbing in all my life. He was, he was broken. He cried and wept and God did something. He came upon that man and transformed him like something I had never seen before. Transformed him right in front of our eyes. Next week he came back. He was cleaned up and ready to go, but he wasn't by himself. He brought a dozen people with him. He filled up two rows. He said, preacher, I want you to know something. You had any idea all the things that I'd done, every sin that I'd committed, all the things of the people that I had hurt, the things that I had said, you wouldn't even have let me in that door. But he said, when I came here to steal everything this church had, something spoke to my heart and said, I'm, you're not going to steal anything. What you're going to get is you're going to get something that's for free. It's not going to come because you steal it. It's going to come because you ask it. He said, so I came back and he said, when I felt God touch my life, he said, I knew I was was a new creation. I was a new person. And I want everybody to know about forgiveness, that they can start all over. Friends, the empty cross promises forgiveness no matter who you are. That's not the only thing that was empty that day. We know that, don't we? You have not only the empty cross, but you also have an empty tomb. After those ladies briefly paused viewing those crosses, they continued their, on their way. And as they walked, suddenly one of them looked at each other and said, wait a second, who's going to roll the stone back? Who's going to move the stone? The stone was a, it was a good question because who's going to move that stone that could have weighed up to two ton, moved by, by a group of men, the Roman soldiers, to seal that tomb? Not only was it just a stone, but the Roman soldiers had sealed that tomb. No one was allowed to open that tomb unless they had permission from the Roman governor. Shrugging their shoulders, they just continued to walk toward the tomb that day. And when they get to the tomb, they see something even stranger. When they arrive, they find the Roman guards that had been placed there by Pilate to guard that tomb. They were laying on the ground, shaking in fear like someone had scared them. They looked up and the stone was not blocking the entrance of the tomb. It had already been moved. And on top of that stone sat an angel that the Bible says looked like lightning. His clothes were so white and gleamy. He sat upon that tomb and he said these words in Matthew chapter 28. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. He has risen just as he said he would. Jesus is not in the grave. 
He wasn't in the grave that first Easter, and he's not in the grave this Easter. He has left the tomb behind. The tomb, my friends, today is empty. It was empty on the first Easter, and it is still empty today. The angel made that announcement, and I make the announcement to you here, Journey Fellowship, that the tomb is empty. Hallelujah. Empty tomb is the reason why we come and we celebrate and we put our clothes on and we dress up and you invite family and you invite friends. The empty tomb is the reason why we're here today to observe the resurrection of Christ. It's more than Easter eggs. It's more than a new pantsuit. It's more than all of those things that we think it is. It is the resurrection of Christ Not only did Jesus fulfill the promise of forgiving our sins, freedom from our sins from an empty cross, but he fulfilled the promise to give us eternal life by overcoming death in the grave. You see, for those who know Jesus, death has lost its sting. In other words, death no longer is something to be feared. The boy and his father were driving down the road. As they were driving, they had the windows cracked and a, a bee came in and started circling that cab of that car. This boy was highly allergic to those bees and he started freaking out, panicking. That dad, as he multitasked driving down the road, he took his hand and he grabbed that bee in his hand. And then after a moment, he let it go. And it kept flying around. And his son started panicking again. He said, son, don't worry about it. He said, I've already taken away its sting. Look in my hand, there's the stinger. You don't have anything to worry about. That's what it means. When Jesus overcome the grave and overcome death, the sting of death, it's not there anymore. You don't have to fear it. You don't have to be afraid. The empty tomb is God's way of saying, hey, relax, son. I took care of the sting. It's not going to hurt anymore. So I stood by the bedside of two godly men this week. As I watched them cross over and they exited this life, I knew immediately that when that breath was gone and that heart quit beating and all function of their body ceased, in that moment, they immediately entered the presence of God. Their souls entered into the presence of God. Now this week we will bury their bodies. We will put their flesh and their bones in the ground. We will have a ceremony and we will sing songs and we will remember the good memories. But someday their graves will also be empty. Every 
person that you have ever laid in the ground, every loved one that you have ever stood and viewed at a funeral, you have memorialized and you have remembered all of those who died in faith in Christ. One day their graves will also be empty. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, speaking of Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Hallelujah. Eternal life. Because you see, one of these days, Jesus is going to stand up from that place that he is sitting right now. And he's going to say, Father, is it time? Father's going to say, son, it's time. Go get my children. Bring them. Bring them home. Bring them home. And Jesus will step out onto the portals of heaven. The Bible says that the trumpet is going to sound. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Paul says, we will be changed. Those who have died will be raised to life forever, and those who are still on earth walking around, they will be transformed to have the same bodies that Jesus has today. See, many think that Jesus is some nebulous force that now he exists as some kind of weird positive energy. He is not positive energy, friends. That is, that is not biblical theology. That's Oprah. That's New Age. That's weird mumbo-jumbo. It has nothing to do with the Bible. God is not some positive force in the universe that's trying to put things together that we all just kind of ascend to in some ethereal body. No, 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 no. Jesus, when he rose from the grave, he rose alive. Hallelujah. I've stood over the caskets of a lot of men and women, family, friends, people that I knew, people that I didn't know. Some had an encounter with that risen Savior and some did not. Some will be raised to meet the Lord in the air, as the Scripture says, but some will be raised in the end for torment and for destruction and punishment. That's why it's so important today to understand this empty tomb. The empty tomb is for those who will go and visit that empty tomb that will know the man who was in the empty tomb because that's why he came is so that we could have eternal life. You don't think about death much. When you're young, but the older you get, the reality becomes a little bit more real, doesn't it? If you're under the age of 40, you think life just goes on as it's always gone on. But you don't know that you'll even make it home today. 
especially with the traffic that I've seen lately. Crazy people out there. You don't know that you will even get to eat those deviled eggs at lunch. You see, you didn't put that breath in your lungs this morning. You didn't tell your heart to beat today. You didn't determine the number of your days in a bargain with God. Only God knows the number of your days. And my friend, you have an expiration date. You don't know when it is, but you have one. There's a shelf life on you. And if you don't know Jesus, that life that you have will cease and end, and you will be raised only for punishment and torment, separated from God. But if you know the empty tomb, like I know the empty tomb, that is a promise of everlasting life. And one of these days when I'm laying horizontal in a church just like this and some person is standing over me and he's saying a few good words, hopefully, and he says, you know what, here lies a man who did his best, who served who served his fellow man, but most of all he knew his Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. One of these days he's going to be going and he is going to burst out of the grave. He's going to meet Jesus one of these days when I'm laying there. I want to say, you know what? That's not the end of old Scott. That right there is just the beginning of eternity with God always and forever. That's the empty tomb and it's promised eternal life to all of us. And finally, I close with this. You don't really have just the promise of an empty cross or an empty tomb, but you have the promise of empty clothes. The empty clothes are a promise of relationship to us. Now, as I thought and meditated upon this, I thought, you know how, how wonderful this idea is. You see, after the angel on that first Easter morning, after the angel had spoken to the women, Mary, they immediately hustled back all the way to where the apostles were. And I can only imagine how fast that these women were talking. Now, I've heard women talk fast, but I'll promise you, they were, they were full of it. Peter and John and all the other brothers that were there, when they heard these women tell the story, the tomb is empty, I'm telling you. The tomb is empty. We saw an angel, the vision of an angel. He told us that Jesus is not here. He's alive. He's risen. When, he, when we found that out, when we noticed that, we came back here and we wanted to tell you immediately, John jumps up and takes off running. Peter, this big burly fisherman, takes off running, if you could call it that. They make way toward that tomb as fast as they can go. They run down that path, get into that garden, and when they get to the tomb, John stops outside that empty tomb. Sure enough, the stone has been rolled away. The guards are still laying unconscious. Who knows what they're doing by now? Probably already run off. They're laying there. They're, 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 they're still afraid. The angel, we don't know where. The Bible doesn't say where he is, but John's, the Bible says John stops at that tomb. When Peter gets there. He doesn't just stop at the tomb. He goes inside. 
And the Bible says when he goes inside, he finds the burial garments that Jesus was wrapped in and taken care of folded neatly upon that stone uh, uh, pavement, that shelf that, that he was placed upon. That the grave clothes that Jesus wore, that they wrapped in, wrapped him in after he was cleaned up for burial, were placed and folded neatly right there in that tomb. tomb was not only empty but the clothes were empty what does that mean well it can only mean one thing Jesus wasn't carried out of the tomb because if you're carried out of the tomb nobody's going to unwrap a corpse and a dead body and then fold those clothes and lay them down where they took them off they're going to grab that body and they're going to carry him out Jesus didn't get carried out of the tomb, my friends. He walked out of the tomb. Those clothes shed off of him and the glorified body of Jesus that was quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now they, he, those, those garments were laid. He didn't need them. They became unnecessary. It wasn't long before that understanding became a personal reality of all of these disciples and the apostles. On that first Easter, the Bible says that Jesus began to appear to people. He appeared to Mary. He had began to appear to the apostles. He appeared to a couple men walking on a road to Emmaus, another village down, this, down, down uh, in, in, in the valley. He began to appear. He appeared, the Bible says, to 500 people all at the same time. We're told that Jesus would come and he would sit down with them, that Jesus would walk with them, that he would talk with them. Even on the, on the beach and at a table, he would eat with them. Jesus was real. He was alive. Thomas said, I don't believe it. You guys are going to have to let me see. Jesus walks in and he looks at Thomas. He says, you don't believe this? How about a touch of that right there, buddy? Check out these fingers. Check out that hole. It marks where I have been. And Thomas fell down at his feet and said, my Lord and my God, it is you. He is not just an empty, created the empty cross or an empty tomb. He left those those clothes empty because he's got new things on. He is free. He is alive. Jesus has escaped death and now he wants to have a relationship with you. The promise of empty burial clothes is that Jesus is alive and he wants to have fellowship with you. I want you to think about that this morning. The cross couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't contain him. And those clothes became unnecessary for a resurrected Christ. Jesus is in a glorified body today. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, or verse 34 says that he was raised to life and now he sits at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Every day you are a part of his conversation. You become a subject between a resurrected Christ and all of heaven. The important question that I want to ask you this morning, if Daniel, if you would come, is do you know Jesus today? I don't mean do you know about him. I mean, do you know him?
That's why the grave clothes are empty, because he, he's alive. He, he's, he's real. Not some ghost, not some spirit. He's real. And those your eyes cannot see him, your heart can. You can feel his presence. Just like when you have your back turned to the door, or when you're asleep, or when you're laying down in your bed, and someone walks into the room, you can feel someone in the room. You know it. You don't have to be woken up, hey, I'm here. Because if you're just there, you feel the presence of someone in the room. Jesus is the same. When he walks into the room, we can know that. But you have to know him, not know about him. Some of it, we, we, there's a difference. We know that. You know about somebody, and then you can know somebody. So we know about Dak Prescott. We know, we know about Governor Abbott. We know about George Strait. But do we know them? We know something about them. We know what they do. We know the things that they may say. But we don't really know them. And it's the same with Jesus. You can know about him. You can hear about him. You even can even know what he says, but you can still not know him. Today, I want you to know him. I want you to know him. I want you to, to know his love. I want you to know his joy, the joy of his presence. I want you to know the assurance that he brings to us. I want you to know his healing power. I want you to know his forgiveness. I want you to know him. And here's the deal. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now we know that's literary. What door is he knocking on? He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's knocking on your heart. Even right now, when just in this message, in this moment, you can feel that tug inside your heart. That's that's the Lord. He's knocking on your heart. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone, I'm glad he didn't qualify it. I'm glad he didn't say, you know what? And if those who are good people answer the door, then I'll come in. He said, if anyone would open the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. In other words, we'll share our life. We'll share life together. We'll be different because you'll know me. Right now, I know that the Lord is knocking on the hearts of some people in this room and saying, hey, let me come in. There may be those in this in this room where, where the Lord has, you've had a lot of those fellowship meals, but something happened in you and, and you kind of shoot him out the front door and shut the door behind. And now he's saying, hey, what, what's happening? Where's that fellow? I want to eat with you. I want to share your life. What, what did you do? Why did you run me off? Maybe you need to open the door again to his love and his grace, his forgiveness and his mercy. 
It's been 2,000 years since that first Easter. Those women, probably even the disciples, had no idea what was about to happen. They hadn't fully comprehended the promises, the promise of an empty cross, the promise of an empty tomb, the promise of empty grave. They hadn't put it all together. It was still kind of fuzzy. They were still trying to navigate those waters. But all of the promises that they discovered that very first day are well understood to us now. And before I have you bow your heads this morning, I want to, to ask you this question. If you believe what I have said this morning, if you believe what I have preached, if you believe that Jesus did die on the cross, if you believe in that empty tomb, that he's not, a, he's not in there anymore, that Jesus was a real person. It's God and man all wrapped up in one body. He rose. If you believe that those grave clothes were just laid there, then I want you to believe this amazing promise. That in Romans chapter 10, it says, Everyone calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now of all those promises, that's, that's one that you should be aware of because not only has he brought forgiveness and brought eternal life and brought us into relationship with him, but he has promised that if we will just call on him, that he will save us. In other words, all of the other three promises become ours. He'll save us from our sin. He'll save us from death. And he'll save us from trying to hack our way through life all by ourselves. He'll direct our steps. That's the promise that I'm asking you to believe this morning. That if you call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved and you can know it. Would you bow your heads all over this room this morning? you to just be very honest with God today. Nobody's looking around. We're all just kind of taking this moment in. I'd like to just present with you a question before you leave and you go to your Easter celebrations and you spend time with your family. I would like for you to be confronted with this question. It's the most important question that we can ask ourselves on Easter like this. That is, do you know him? Not, well, I have known him, or I know about him. I even know some of the things you said. I know, I know about the cross. I know about that tomb. I've heard it. I was, I was a kid when I heard that. those clothes things, but you know, that's interesting. I know that's, that's good. That's good. But do you know him? Do you know him? Is he knocking on your door right now? The door of your heart saying, Hey, let me in. If you're here today and you'd say, Scott, would you pray for me today? I want to know him. 
way. I want you to just raise your hand. If you're here, you just raise your hand and say, I want to know Jesus today. Real relationship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Some brave guys here. I want to know the Lord. I want to know him. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I want to know him. I want to know him. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know freedom from my sins. I want to know. Yes, I see your hand. I want to know eternal life. I don't want to know destruction and punishment. I, I want to know a relationship with God. I want to walk with Him. Anybody else? I'm going to take just a moment. I want to know. I want to know Him. Anybody else? Just wait just a moment. I want to know Him. Nobody in this room is guaranteed tomorrow. Nobody in this room is guaranteed next week. You're not even guaranteed another Easter. Today is the day. Don't let it pass. Anybody else? Anybody else? You want to know Jesus. You want to know him. I'm going to wait one more moment. Yes, I see your hand. I see it. your hands as we all as we all stand I'm going to ask you to do something I'm going to ask you to maybe take the hand of the person sitting next to you and I want you to say hey would you go with me to that altar down there I want to pray and as we stand if those of you who raised your hand and you really mean it and it's it's, it's a moment in your life that's that you're you know it's going to change you. You're going to grab that person by the hand and say, "Would you go with me? And, and, and can can I can you go and pray with me there? I want to know Jesus." As we stand, that's what I want you to do. And as they come, I want those in our church, our prayer team, elders. May today be a day that they grasp onto those empty promises of Easter. Would you stand with me all over this room? If you raise your hand, would you just take somebody? Would you just walk right down here? Maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but you want to come. I want you to come. I know. I know it's Easter. You mean he's making an altar call on Easter? Absolutely. I know. I know it's Easter. Come on. Come on. Right over here to these altars. I want you to stand right here. This. Come right over here. Come on. Anybody else? Yeah, this is awesome. Church family, isn't this awesome? Come on. Come on. Come on. Anybody? Come on. You raise your hand. You can do it. Come on. I know. You can do it. You raise your hands. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Could I have some prayer team people? Come on. Come on. Could I have some people come and just pray? Stand behind these folks. I need some young ladies over here. I need some ladies right over here. Come on, ladies. Come on. Come on. I know it's Easter. Come on. Come on. Your deviled eggs are not going to work. I need some ladies standing right here. Those of you who raised your hands, it's very simple. You just pray this prayer. It's, 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 you mean it from your heart. 
Listen to me. You pray that prayer from your heart and you say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I am sorry. I don't want to be this person anymore. I need a restart. I need a new life. I need to change my way of living because it's taking me nowhere. And you just confess your sin. Confess yourself to the Lord out of your mouth. He says, if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we believe in our heart that Christ has been raised from the dead, we can be saved. So you just begin out of your mouth saying, Lord, I am sorry. I don't want to be this person anymore. I want to know you. And as you begin to say those things, As you begin to confess your sin to the Lord, he's going to come and he's going to begin to touch your heart. And you say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my life from my past. Take away all of the things that I have done wrong, Lord. Set me me up new, create in me a new heart, a new mind. And he'll do that. And as you ask him to forgive you, he's going to come in and you say, Lord, be the Lord and the Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, as they begin to pray, church family, would you just take a moment? Let's be patient this morning because lives are being changed today. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.